Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you, folks. Good morning. Happy Friday to you. Uh, Listen, we want to thank you so much for taking this opportunity to listen, to be part of our uh, community of those wanting to reach out and help folks with PTSD. Those of you who are suffering from PTSD, we want you to know that we're here for you. If we can ever do anything for you, please contact Mrs. Wesco or myself at Helpful Wounded Spirits Facebook page, and we'll, we'll make sure we get right back to you. We have a special uh, special podcast that we want to share with you today. We're excited about that. And as you know, that uh, Miss Stephanie and I have been talking about this all week. We were honored to be part of the Campus Church and Pensacola Christians Colleges uh, Missions Conference this past week in Pensacola, Florida. And you guys know we're pretty high on uh, Pensacola Christian College and Campus Church. And uh, Pastor Jeff Redland's the pastor down there. And we we represented Wounded Spirits Ministries down there, and it was so exciting. And just the students, just an atmosphere. It was so godly. I felt like we were ministered to just walking around campus. It felt like everybody there was tuned in, and um, we were thrilled. Anyway, so I say all that to say this. Uh, there were several phenomenal speakers throughout the week, and one of them was a missionary named Matt Allen. He's a missionary to Papua New Guinea. And uh, he was one of the keynote speakers at the conferences. And the last night of the conference, he just, uh, he had a message and all the messages, all the speakers uh, just ministered to my heart and ministered to my soul. But, but Brother Allen, on that last night, his message just, it, it just ministered to me. God used it in a very special way. And, and uh, so I had been thinking about that and praying about that. And, and uh, Miss Stephanie came to me and, and, and she asked if it was all right, if we maybe were to run Brother Allen's message as today's podcast. And I thought that was a great idea. So we called and got the right permissions and uh, wanted to make sure we do this right. We don't want our good to be spoken evil of. But folks, I want you to listen to this message. I want you to tune in. He's talking about missions. And uh, we just came off this last week where we had Brother Charles Wesco uh, from a message of few years ago before he passed away and was martyred in Cameroon, preached to us from a recording. Boy, that did my heart some good. And so many of you wrote us and thanked us for that and said you enjoyed that. I believe this message is a great follow-up to that. And, you know, perhaps there's something we can do for you. Make sure you get a hold of us at Helpful Wounded Spirits Facebook page and We'll be sure to get right back to you. and But we want you to listen to Brother Matt Allen. And as we've told you in the past, everything coming out of campus church, if you need a church service, if you're on the field, we know that a lot of you listening to us are on aircraft carriers and submarines and on the foreign mission field or things like that. We highly recommend them. But I want you to listen to this message from Brother Allen. This is all we have for you today. And, and we think this will make for a great Friday. And uh, please make sure that you listen to every word. Here you go. 
I pray that you also would say, along with those who sang, I will serve the Lord no matter what comes. And I believe that this evening that song leads well into our sermon. If you have your Bibles, I might ask that you would turn to two places this evening, Matthew chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 11. And if you have a piece of paper, I might encourage you to just drop that piece of paper into Hebrews 11. The majority of our text will be taken from Matthew chapter 10. Again, Matthew chapter 10 and a piece of paper in at Hebrews 11. Very thankful for all that the campus church has done to host us. Very thankful to those of you that have been a part of giving so graciously to take very good care of us. We're very thankful for it. I believe I speak on behalf of the missionaries as well. Thank you so much, campus church, for what you've done for us. My prayer this evening is one for intentionality. I pray that God will call out from among us, even yes, among us in this congregation, I pray that God would call out from among us people who will intentionally uproot their lives, cross-culturally carry the cross, and take the gospel to the nations. I pray that God would take, yes, young people, we have a larger demographic of young people among us, And oh, how God can use your youth and vitality to break into new fields that need that energy. And oh, I pray that you would not wait until you're older and established in life and in debt to serve God. And I pray also that God would call out middle-aged people like my dad. My dad was 45 years old when he came to visit us for the first time in Papua New Guinea. He was pastoring a church, doing a very great job He came and he said, I've never seen such a great need in my life. He went back and he resigned the church and he came as a missionary to join us in Papua New Guinea. And I pray that when it comes time for your midlife crisis, instead of buying a Harley Davidson, you do something really crazy like move to the jungle. Or maybe it might be your golden years Maybe God might call somebody out like my friend, Will Muldoon, missionary in Papua New Guinea. He came when he was 65 years old. He was pastoring in Wyoming, sent me an email, and he said, is it true that there's such a great need? I took about half an hour and updated my statistics of the villages and places that I knew where nobody was working I sent him an email back, and within a few hours, he said, I'm resigning my church tonight. He's been in Papua New Guinea for the last 10 years and has trained 27 pastoral students in one of the most remote places all by himself and his wife, and nobody knows about him. Oh, that God would call out from us people of all ages to go and serve him. I think that after sermons like what you have heard the last few days, there might be two major responses. One response would be, oh, but that is just so risky, absolutely crazy. There's no way that I would ever be able to move around the world, uproot my family, and go around the world. And I know I'm not stupid when I say things like you should go to places that are risky in the world. I know that as I plead with you to look at the nations, I know that I might be calling out 
tonight and asking for young people to go and give their lives, literally give their lives and become martyrs. I'm not a fool. I know that that may happen. If you take a look at Moody Bible Institute over the last hundred years, they've had 21 missionary martyrs from their midst. Oh, may that be said as well for Pensacola Christian College. Jesus said to count the cost. He said, if a man is going to build a tower, he's first going to sit down and count the cost. I believe it's important for us to not just rush in and think that, oh, missions has a whole lot of shiny on it. Oh, we must count the cost. Let us be honest about the assessment. I said there's two responses. One, it might be this is too risky. But on the other side, perhaps over the last few days or over the last few months and years, God has been doing a work in your heart. And maybe this evening you've come to the place where you're beginning to wonder, maybe God is calling me. And can I just remind you that the call of God is not some mystical thing. He's not going to strike you with lightning. There will not be some moment where you're praying and all of a sudden you get a bright light. Ask for it in triplicate. doesn't work that way. As I look through the scriptures, I see many different men being called many different ways. I think Jeremiah, before he was born, called. Nehemiah, volunteered. Take me. I see Matthew there at the table of the tax collector. Jesus comes along and says, that's enough, follow me. Paul, on his way to Damascus, God knocks him off of his donkey. God uses many different ways to call people into ministry, and I have no idea how God might be working in your life, and yet I might ask you, would you at least tonight, these next half an hour, would you just open your mind, listen to the scriptures, ask God, would you have me to go, and if you have honestly assessed God, you really want me to go, and he has told you no, Oh, thank God for you. Passionately, intentionally send those who are going. But if you've never had an honest look at God, is this what you want for me and my life? May I ask you to do that even tonight? So let's look at our text, Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to walk through this passage. I'll do it twice. And tonight I'd like for us to count the cost. Have a look at this tower Count the cost. What will it cost you in order for you to go and give your life? What could it cost you? And we'll have, as it were, maybe a cost-benefit analysis. We'll walk through the first time and see what are the negatives. What will it cost us to serve him? And then the second time we'll walk through and we'll see the positives. So let's read. This is Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 down to verse 31. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, Jesus is sending his disciples out. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the 
father the child, and the children shall rise up against the parents and cause them to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Verse 23, but when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light, and what you hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? One of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus is sending his 12 disciples out in this passage. He's sending them, historically, sending them to the nation of Israel, and yet the very same principles that we find as he sends his disciples are the very same principles that you and I can take and apply to our own lives and over the last 2,000 years as God has sent out missionaries to the world. I'd like to walk through first, quickly, I'll give you five negatives that I see in this passage. Jesus is very pointed. He's letting us know it will cost you if you will go as a missionary. It will cost you. So let me just point them out and I'll walk through them quickly. First one, this is in verse number 16. You will see that you... As a negative, there will be sheep-type living in a wolf-controlled world. See it in verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's a negative. We are called to be sheep. Notice that he didn't call us to be shepherds or watchdogs going out to the world. I can't help but wonder why would he call us as sheep among wolves. I think that the answer is found in the very fact of the gospel itself. You cannot force belief upon anyone. Oh, in John 3 and verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth on him should not perish. And I think of Jesus there with his arms spread wide and the blood flowing down his side and dripping from his toes. He is not going forth conquering. Oh, no, not yet. One day that one comes, but right now the gospel is advanced by sheep-type living in a wolf-controlled world. And oh, how hard that is for us to swallow because we are naturally inclined to build up our own kingdom. He's not called us to build up ours, but to build up his. It will cost you as a sheep among wolves. The second one I see is in verse number 17. Second negative, you'll face questions by councils and scourges and synagogues. Verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. I think of Peter and John in Acts 5, It's only a year or maybe two from this passage when 
Peter and John stand before the chief priests and do something they would have never imagined. They're going to defy the chief priests when the chief priests say, stop preaching the name of Jesus. And they say, we ought to obey God rather than man. There will be scourges in the synagogues. You'll stand before kings. They're going to question you. Here's another one. Verse number 21, another negative. You'll have family turmoil. Verse 21, brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And thankfully, you and I as Americans, for the most part, have not had to put it up with it to that degree, but around the world, oh, how Christians find it very normal for the rest of the world to find that their own family turns against them. And if you as an American Christian decide to follow Jesus and uproot and carry the cross and go to the nations, oh, you better be ready for it. For family will say things like you've made a mistake or you're abusing our grandchildren or destroying our dreams for you. So be ready for it. Fourth one. See, this is in verses 23 to verse 25. I see sticks and stones and words that will hurt you. Verse 23, they persecute you in this city. Notice that he didn't say if, but when. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Verse 24, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So plan on it. There will be persecution. There will be problems. Paul listed it in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, he said it was his light affliction, and in chapter 11, he listed them out. Things like five times he was beaten with 39 stripes, a day and a night on the sea. Oh, there will be persecution. Plan on it. And then the way that he talks about it in verse 25, if they talked about Jesus, oh, how they will also talk about you. And they might do it in front of your face or behind your back. And when you arrive on the mission field, if you are going to a Bibleless people group, there will not be rejoicing when you arrive. Oh, some of us have been blessed to go to mission fields where there are already believers there who are excited about your arrival. But if you go to a people group of 11 million people who have never heard the name of Jesus proclaimed and have no portion of the Bible in their language, oh, when you land in their country, there will be no reception. For men love darkness rather than light. You will be bringing light. The light of the gospel will break upon and it will expose the sin of their hearts. And they will not receive it well at first. One more negative I see in verse 28. This one is death, but nothing worse. Death, but nothing worse. Verse number 28. Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And Jesus is telling them and telling us, you might die, but you have nothing to fear. Do you see the words, verse 28? Fear not them which kill the body, 
That's the good news. You could die, but that's all. That's good news, brothers and sisters. If all goes terribly wrong, you could die, and that's a blessing, and it's a reality. Get this, church. Thousands of men and women have passed from death into life at an age that this world would consider too young for a cause that they would consider unworthy, except Jesus says that there is no cause more worthy than the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So I asked you to hold your place in Hebrews 11. So if you've got your Bible there, could you turn over to Hebrews 11 with me? Because I need to point out some verses here. Hebrews 11 is often called the great hall of faith. And you see people like Noah and Abraham and all the amazing things that they did, Moses. But I want you to look at verse 32 because he's going to talk about some people who faced death. This is Hebrews 11 and verse 32. And what shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. You want to talk about glory, hallelujah, stories, those are amazing. But can I remind you that if you're going to, in the words of verse 33, stop the mouths of lions, if you're going to stop the mouth of a lion, you have to look the lion in the face. It's going to be a terrifying moment. The worst you can face is death. And he changes tones. The author of Hebrews changes tones in verse 34. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Some escape. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. In order to have raised to life again, first they have to go through the mourning of their dead. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. You see what I mean by the worst that can happen is you'll die? because there's a better resurrection to come. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, O Stephen's story, insert it there, and they were sawn asunder, cut in half were tempted and were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Oh, let these words sink in from verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And I see slowly more people being added to that list every generation, unnamed, quietly marching into a long list of people who have given their lives as they pass from death unto life. And the Lord Jesus welcomes them into the joy of the Lord forever. And he just adds on one little tiny statement of whom the world was not worthy. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. So we've seen the negatives. Come back to Matthew 10 because I can't help but just chase right into the positives. There are risks, and it will cost you deeply to serve Jesus, but there are positives. Look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 16. 
can't go very far in verse 16 before you see the very first one. In fact, before you get to the first negative, you get to the first positive. There are five of these. Verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Do you see the positive? It's commissioning by Christ. I send you forth. I don't know if that resonates in your mind like it should. So let me help you with an idea. The higher the rank of the sender, the more important the commission. So let's just imagine for a moment if we could place ourselves in the American Revolutionary War. And can you imagine if you are a soldier and your sergeant gives you a message and says, take this message across to the other part of the battlefront, you would consider it an honor on his behalf to carry that message. But then let's just take it to the next step and say perhaps if a colonel called you into his tent and said, here, I need you to carry this message, it's very important, you would consider it in greater honor. But then could you imagine as a soldier on the battlefront of the American Revolutionary War, if the general commander in chief, George Washington, called you into his tent and told you, I've got a letter that needs to go to the spies in New York City, you know that that might cost you your life, but you would consider it a great honor. Now remember who it is that's calling and commissioning here. It's not the commander in chief. It's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is sending us forth. Oh, that is a positive. Forget the rest of the negatives, for he is sending us, and oh, what a wonderful commission to have this commission. It is a deep honor to be sent by Jesus. And then the second one I see in verses 19 and 20, the second one, I'll just tell it to you and then I'll read it. The second one is magnificent words that come from the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 19. When they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of our Father which speaketh in you. When they deliver you up, don't worry about what it is that you're going to say. For in that moment, the Holy Spirit will give you magnificent words that you never expected would ever come out of your mouth. Here's the advice of the Lord. Don't let your mind get muddled with what you're going to say. Just let the Lord work through you in the moment. I think of Silas and Paul and Philippi as they get thrown into prison. Could you imagine if they wasted their hours there in the stocks of trying to discuss how is it that we're going to set up for our defense tomorrow morning in the hearing? They didn't need to do that. No, they did. In stocks together. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My back's bleeding, but he is worthy. And then, in something that only God can do, and oh, how missionaries over and over could tell stories of things that only God could do, an earthquake, and the chains fell off, and there at the door of the prison is a light coming, and the jailer comes to the door, and the jailer lifts up his sword, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit gives Paul the exact right words. Don't kill yourself! 
You know what would have come out of my mouth if I'd have spent hours trying to figure out my defense? My, my words would have been, sorry about your luck, pal, I'm out of here. Don't prepare yourself for the, in the moment, the negative, there's going to come scourgings and there's going to be problems, but the positive is you're going to have magnificent words that come from the Holy Spirit and you'll never be able to think of how to say or what to say. I sure hope that you wouldn't waste your life and your energy on building bigger barns for Jesus called that foolish. Instead, I might beg of you to think of ways that you can give your life to Jesus and serve him. If that's on the foreign field and he draws you that way, oh, may it be. But if that's here, oh, may it passionately be so that you give in ways that people could never comprehend. Oh, I want to be serving Jesus and used by him in a way that I could never comprehend. Positives commissioning by Christ and magnificent words by the Holy or from the Holy Spirit, and thirdly, be resurrection under the banner of Jesus' name. See it in verse twenty-two: "You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved." Resurrection under the banner of Jesus' name. Now, please don't go poor theology here. Don't think, "Oh, I have to make it to the end in order to be saved." That's not what he said. I'll keep it short here. The word, Greek word for shall be saved is the word sozo, and it means to be made whole or to be healed. So you can just imagine, here's the statement. If you make it all the way to the end and it costs you your life, he has not given up on you. There will be resurrection. And notice what that, who that comes for. Verse 22, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. That's under his banner. I need to serve under his banner, and he's promised a resurrection. Verse 25 is the fourth one, the fourth positive that I see. This is fellowship in the suffering with Christ. Verse 25. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. Oh, the Savior went through suffering, and you and I get to be a part of that as we carry the gospel. We get to be a part of that. We get to fellowship in his suffering. If I could just bring in some imagery from the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews was writing in chapter 13 about how the sacrifice would be taken and done outside of the wall. And then he uses the analogy of Jesus, and he says, Jesus, this was taken outside of the wall, and he was sacrificed. And then he makes this statement, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 12. 12 and 13, he says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. May you and I join him in the fellowship of his suffering. Oh, that's a positive. As I look at the negatives and the positives, I'm seeing that the positives are well outweighing the negatives. And then lastly, in verses 29 and 30, I see that we receive care in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 29. Are, you not, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. The Heavenly Father knows about it when a sparrow falls. 
The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. As he sends you out, he knows your worth. Oh, he is so much more than just an omniscient God who knows all the details like the hairs of your head. He is a caring God who loves you as he sends you, and he makes no mistake in all of those negatives, yea, even to the point where he might call for you to be a martyr. He has purposes that will be accomplished, and your life will be used for his purposes. Yesterday marks three years since the martyrdom of missionary Charles Wesco in Cameroon, a independent Baptist missionary in Cameroon, and his wife and children have joined us this week for missions conference. Church, you've had the opportunity to rub shoulders with some very unique people. Nine days before he was killed by a bullet that entered into the car and struck him in his head, nine days before his death, he wrote these words in an email to his friends. He said this, and I want you to hear them closely. He said, we have a very caring and loving God to lean upon who is beyond doubt in sovereign control of who falls and where and to what weapons, even down to the small sparrow. Our heavenly Father knows of whom this world is not worthy. I wonder if you might raise your hand this evening and join the number. You are his child. If you want to be a missionary, you better get yourself ready. It's not a life of ease. It's not rainbows and unicorns. It's a tough road. Luke 9, he says, take up your cross and follow me. In 1858, a man named John Patton was determined to go to an island called Eremanga in the New Hebrides Islands. That's now modern-day Vanuatu. And he wanted to take the gospel to those people because 19 years later, two missionaries had been killed and cannibalized on the beach of that island. And as he told his friends in Scotland, there was a man named Mr. Dixon who said these words to him. He said, John, the cannibals, the cannibals will eat you. And John Patton responded with these words that have been, become epic for missionaries. Here's what John Patton said. Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. That was kind. There to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus and it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. You see, the benefits far outweigh the costs. You're at Matthew 10. Could I get you to jump down to verses 38 and 39? I want to drive home the point that he's making as he sends out his disciples. Jesus says this in verse 38, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. I'm not saying that only goers are taking up their cross. It's very possible to take up your cross as a sender. But if you're not taking up your cross, you're not worthy of him.
Those are strong words from our Savior. And in verse 39, almost as a promise, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Is it worth the cost to follow Jesus? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it's worth it. The benefits far outweigh the cost. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit this week might have been calling you into missionary service. In 1997, I was a freshman here at PCC. That time we had missions conference at the Dale Horton Auditorium, and there wasn't enough space on Sunday night for all of us to meet in the Dale Horton. I wanted to be in there, for I had been soaking up those messages that week. I came, there was no space, I was turned away, and we had overflow in the sports center. The sports center was also almost full that night. I don't remember who it was that preached, but when they gave an invitation, they gave one like what I plan to do tonight. They gave an invitation, and they said, if you believe that God's calling you into long-term cross-cultural missions, would you come down to the front? And there I was at the sports center, and I got up from my chair and walked down Sitting next to me was my girlfriend. We've been married for 22 years now. And in that moment, I thought, I don't know if she's going to follow me. And as I walked down the steps, I turned and she was following me down the steps. The wood floor and the basketball court in the sports center means a lot to me and Becky. And we've never looked back since. Young people tonight, middle-aged people tonight, older people tonight, I'm going to ask you, would you respond to the calling of God upon your life? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you? What a blessing. I appreciate Pastor Allen and the message he had. What a, what a great, uh, I don't know about you, but... I just think that's, that's a great call. It's a clarion call from God. And uh, I enjoyed that message so much. You know, I was in tune. My wife, Debbie, and I talked about that coming back, just how blessed we were by it. And then when uh, Miss Stephanie asked if we could go ahead and play this, I was all for that. So, dear friends, uh, I hope that message was a blessing to you. And I, I, I want to remind you in just a minute, Brother Eric's going to come on, and he's going to share with you what you need to know to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's nothing more important than that. Listen to everything Brother Eric's got to say. And if you have any questions or if there's anything we can help you with, please look us up on Help for Wounded Spirits. We'll make sure we get a hold of you as quick as we can. If you happen to be out there and you need a church, we'd love to help you find one. Maybe like the Independent Baptist Church there in Pensacola, Campus Church, or something like that. We'd love to give you a hand with that. Just let us know. And uh, listen, folks, it's a great blessing. Happy Friday to you. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.